Before we officially start this podcast, I want to remind everyone that the Ivy Sports Podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe to be notified of all new podcasts from the Ivy Network. We would also appreciate it if you would rate and review this network. Finally, you can follow Ivy Sports on all social media platforms. That can be Twitter, Instagram, or join the Facebook group. The Facebook group does have a premium membership that allows you to approve without being approved by an admin. You can be commissioner for the day, receive free gambling picks, and much, much more. And with that, we are back with another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast, Ivy Sports Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Keith Fleming. Sam Hahn, Sam Howe, excuse me, Sam Howe is joining me again this week. As usual, Ronald Tinsley, unfortunately, is working tonight. But I have a very special guest, Joe Hahn, who is known as Keep Up With Kayfabe on Twitter. He's a high school band teacher and an avid wrestling fan. But Joe, why don't I let you introduce yourself and tell everyone why you got into the wrestling, uh, you know, back into the wrestling, or why you got into the wrestling world, and what makes wrestling special to you. You know, I saw saw it on TV when I was growing up, and uh, the first wrestler I ever really fell in love with was Goldberg back in WCW. It was in the late '90s. He was on his infamous streak, and I just remember seeing this guy. Didn't say a word. He just ran through everybody, and I just I loved it. I just I ate it up. I, I loved every moment from him winning the, the United States championship to him beating Hulk Hogan for the WCW title. Like uh, I actually just had a bad memory dredged up the other day. Somebody brought up the, the Kevin Nash, Scott Hall <laughs> taser incident when Kevin Nash beat him for the title. But that's another story for another day. You know, but I was I, at that uh, Goldberg Hogan match. You, you know, were? I'm, in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm from Georgia. That's uh, I awesome. Was there. I was just telling Sam, uh, I've been lucky enough to go to a few pay-per-views and stuff, but that was by far the coolest wrestling moment I ever witnessed live. Yeah, that, that uh, turned into chaos real quick. Oh, yeah. The You know, it's funny. The um, the Goldberg-Raven match is, for me, as somebody who's Jewish, a very strong point of pride. <laughs> the two Jewish guys wrestling for the U.S. title. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still, that was April 20th, 98, I think, actually. It's one of those weird things that I just always remember. <laughs> and then, Joe, you, you built a big following on Twitter. And uh, what, what do you concentrate on your page? And, and what do you kind of believe in in wrestling and sharing and that kind of deal? So I've, I've tried to be what I've wanted the community to be. I've tried to be positive as much as I could. But I try to be critical about things that I feel like should be, we should be critical about. I feel like I, I give a lot of junk to certain companies out there. I, I've been labeled an AEW mark more than more times than I can admit. However, I am wearing my Fiend shirt. You look at the video. Uh, I, I try to ask questions to the community, things that are just kind of like shower thoughts of mine that I'm like, huh, I wonder. Like I've just posted, do you think Roman Reigns is a Paul Heyman guy or is Paul Heyman a Roman Reigns guy? And I always <laughs> love to see the things that people have to say and respond with. I try to interact with as many people as I can. Uh, it was much easier at the beginning, I, but I feel like I feel like one of the least popular people with ten thousand followers, though, because I, I feel like I'll post something. I feel like I'm talking to myself half the time. It's weird, but uh, I, I try to yeah, I try to ask questions, try to create discussion, try to you know put out some some interesting thoughts, and occasionally some some criticism where it's due and some praise where it's due. Well, it's a great page to follow. Uh, do you want to get that handle? We'll do it again at the end, but just so everybody you know knows what that is again. Yeah, it's just keep up, and then it's the letter K and Fabe, F-A-B-E. 
Awesome. So you guys want to get right into this? We had a big week of wrestling. We did. All right, we're going to start with the off the top rope segment. John Moxley was named the PWI Wrestler of the Year. Joe, you're the, the special guest. We'll start with you. Who would you have had as your number one wrestler? I'm not going to disagree with their pick at all. Uh, they, they gave out a, a whole list of things that they break down for who they pick and why they pick them. And one of the things that really stuck out with me is they talked about impact on the business. And I feel like John Moxley alone, a lot of people give Chris Jericho the, the praise for kicking off AEW, giving them a, a mainstream name having that face there at that press conference was vital because that made it seem real and serious. However, double or nothing, John Moxley coming in, he just walked out of WWE. WWE even promoted that he was leaving. He walks out, walks into this company and tears apart the top guy, the, the best bout machine in the world, Kenny Omega. And he sends a message to the pro wrestling world. And he's just kept on that train for an entire year. He has not let off the gas at all. He's the AEW champion. Granted, I wish he kind of lost the belt a couple of times. I, I, I do dislike how AEW kind of build up their monsters and then they lose. But I feel like Moxley's reign has been awesome. I can't wait to see who eventually does come up to the challenge Hopefully to take Sunday. the belt from him. I, ah, I'm... MJF will be a multiple-time AEW champion. I think it's too much to will, say. Will he be a champion on Sunday? I don't think so. But back, back to the point, yeah. I do think that John Moxley is the perfect pick to top that list. Sam, who did you have? Or who would you have had? Uh, I've sort of, you know, we talked about a little bit of why I soured on Moxley and a lot of it is not, is out of kayfabe stuff. You know, his continued to like complain about the WWE and and that sort of thing. Um, I, you know, I can't argue with Moxley. The only person that I might have considered other than him is Bailey. And that's just a, as being a contrarian, butt and wanting to pick somebody who is not, you know, I, I think that if we're going for, you know, the 2020 wrestler of the year, I, I think that, yeah, Moxley has been champ for since what, February, and I think that AEW has been the better promotion the entire year. And so I think that Moxley is justified. Absolutely. But is I, it, yeah, I mean, well, I, I think that ask, Is it had, time with just how good women performers are now to include them on this list? Because, you know, they've always traditionally, correct me if I'm wrong, done a men's and a women's list each year. I mean, the women have been so good the last couple of years. Do you think that they should be on that list? Well, I think uh, number like 78 was Kylie Ray, number 83, something like okay, that so was, was Tessa hard. Blanchard. But there were none of the WWE women stars. I feel like it was an inclusion of women that wrestle men. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's still very much, even though the list did include women, I feel like it's still very much there's going to be a women's list at some point. And Bailey very well could top that list. I do think that that's a very interesting question, though, if the, the list so, should be together. I mean, I don't know how you could have the list from last year without becky lynch honestly right like i i i mean again it's the pwi is like a huge like i I mean we i mean i I, i'm not telling like i don't want to criticize because i definitely wrote as a kid but like it is like it's an after mag isn't it is that bill after i believe so and so like it there's a a lot of gimmickry that goes into it so i'm not gonna 
you know, I don't want to crap on it, but I also think that like I Moxley's had a great year. Like I and I think that he's definitely deserving of that. You convinced me, Sam, because I, I was a little upset. And this is more of a personal opinion. I just think Seth Rollins has been incredible this year. He was the champion in WWE for several months. You know, in the last 12 months, I feel like the work he's done in the last, you know, basically since the COVID time has been arguably his best period on the mic. I think he's really been assisted by there being no crowd. We, we know how he gets kind of nasally and annoying when he gets loud and starts yelling or talking over people. And he's been able to be very methodical. He's not quite the wrestler he was before the knee injury. I think he just wrestles a little safer, which I mean, who wouldn't? Uh, he just has been, in my opinion, and I don't watch New Japan. This is just, you know, between WWE, AEW, NXT guys. I think he's been the best wrestler in the last year, but I think kind of to Joe's point, when you bring in impact to the business, it makes a lot more sense why Moxley deserves that because, you know, the hot brand is AEW and he's the champion of the hot brand. So that, you know, almost alone, when you take everything else out from it, should give him a lot of credit and points toward this. And actually one other thing, just because I, I, again, being sort of like a contrarian ass, um, (laughs) I I would have loved to have said Naito uh, for, uh new japan but i think that they were off for so long that like yeah the the delay from coronavirus definitely hindered a lot of them yeah and i mean i i think that you know so i i i I just don't think like i I think naida was like three or four along with okada who and, and i love joe i don't know if you're a huge new japan guy and like i love new japan because i've seen one show oh really i watched this year well i watched this year's wrestle kingdom Okay. Uh, I actually made my wife wake up with me at like two in the morning or whenever it aired over here. And I was very disappointed because I didn't know how the timing was going to work for night two that I had to stay up because it started at midnight here. And that next day was rough. Well, you out get yeah. your coverage if your wife's up at 2 a.m. Uh, watching wrestling with you for sure. The, I got, I, I watched uh, 2018. I was the last time I watched live and it was, I was like, unemployed at the time so i was like hey, i just stay up till five in the morning west coast time let's do this thing country music um yeah it was but i think that it's hard to and again as somebody who uh but oh sorry back to the point which was that i like uh njpw it tickles the part of me that just like likes in-ring work um i think that aew does a lot better like with characters than new japan does and it's not as like it presented as much as a like there's much more story aspect to AEW. And that's the other thing is I think that like the character aspect for Moxley earned it for him. So you convinced me, Joe. We've got several uh, headlines that were made from interviews that were out there. Pat McFay, you know, fresh off his match with Adam Cole, which went over really well. Uh, I talked about how I raved both in his performance in the ring, which really surprised me. But most important on the mic, he was just, I mean, it, it, the promo he gave the, the Friday before was fantastic. But he has made some comments that he would like to have an NXT match versus Triple H. Uh, Sam, we'll start with you. Is there anybody less you would rather see Pat McFay's next match be against than Triple H? Randy Orton. Okay, fair <laughs> the battle of the punts. Oh, come on. It writes itself. Uh, I, not particularly. I mean, the, the idea of, 
I I have grudgingly accepted Triple H's matches, singles matches, since NXT took off because he, we get NXT, and if he wants to jerk himself off for thirty minutes in a <laughs> ring, good luck, God bless him, because I love NXT. Uh, but I am, I think that he and this guy never took a bump. I love the confidence with which I said that. Um, but he is, I, I think that. No, I, I don't want to see that. And I think that uh, I would might light myself on fire like the Human Torch if he puts over Pat McAfee after like watching years and years of guys who like I I just know I don't want it. No, thank you. Thank you, Triple H, for everything else, but no, thank you. Booker T's preemptively rolling over in his grave. Puts <laughs> over Pat McAfee. <laughs> so Pat McAfee. He has a, he has he has his own place in my heart now. I actually doubted him tremendously. I was down on that match. I hated the fact that they were doing it. It felt like a special attraction kind of BS worked shoot podcast interview thing. And then the match was awesome. I mean, it wasn't a five star classic, but it felt like Stephen Amell versus Christopher Daniels from All In. It felt like a a celebrity who's actually passionate about what he's doing, getting in the ring and showing what he can do with somebody that allows him to show it off. Triple H would not be able to allow Pat McAfee to show it off. I feel like Triple H should never step inside an NXT ring wearing anything but a suit. I feel like his matches are in Saudi Arabia. If they ever happen again, He'll probably tear his other pec or a quad or something. Maybe he'll just bump into the ring and pull a Vinnie Mac and tear both of his quads and just decide it's over at that point. But I, I, I used to love Triple H in the early 2000s and in, in that era. I, I used to, and I kind of have begrudgingly accepted that he exists in the feuds that he's had with Roman and Seth after. But ugh, these last few years, just him trying, like the 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 brothers of destruction versus DX is one of the worst things I've ever seen. They, he, uh, should ne- he should never wrestle Pat McAfee. He should never wrestle in NXT. I was going to say, you know, he said on the Bill Simmons podcast recently that he doesn't want to wrestle again. You know, obviously he knows that he can't say that he's, you know, never, you can never say that in this business, but he's to the point where he's getting as much enjoyment out of what he's doing backstage, you know, the work in NXT, the work with the company, that it's given him just the thrill it did of being in the ring. Uh, so I'm with you guys. That And again, it's nothing against Triple H. He's a Hall of Famer. He's you know, one of the best ever. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to see him anymore. And just, it's exactly what you're saying. The great thing about Pat McFay was that he also helped Adam, or Adam Cole get over because with people that didn't know who Adam Cole was. Uh, and that's what they need to use him for because he does have a huge following. I think he's got like 3 million followers on Twitter. So if he is going to come back, they need to continue to use with guys that need the attention, need the spotlight from, you know, non-wrestling fan or wrestling fans that aren't, you know, watching NXT, AEW, and WWE each week and help grow an audience to that. Uh, so the the person that started and runs IBM Sports is named R.C. Carlton Joe. He's going to really hate this next topic because we're going to talk about CM Punk. So me and Sam are excited uh, during a Twitter Q&A, Sam Punk was asked for his dream matches in AEW and NXT. He said in NXT, it would be the Demon Finn Balor. And in AEW, he said Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Is Punk 
we'll start with Joe because I know Sam's going to want to talk about this. Joe, <laughs> is is Punk just kind of getting fans' hopes up? Is he trolling us? Is he just is he messing with people, or do you think he's really starting to get the itch where he wants to get back into the ring? Because I don't remember him talking about dream matches and stuff in interviews the last couple of years. Usually when he's asked about it, he's like, I'm no longer in wrestling. And, you know, next question. Death, taxes, and CM Punk rumors. Those are the three <laughs> constants. Those are the three things that you are guaranteed. I think CM Punk is more likely to get a win in UFC than he is to Ooh. step into a wrestling oh. ring. <laughs> I think it, uh, oh, well sorry i never got like cm punk's a great promo he is he's probably one of the best ever holding a microphone he's an incredible character his money in the bank uh match with john cena is one of the greatest things i've ever seen the hottest crowds i've ever seen but i don't like the guy i've never cared for him i never really thought he was anything good well not good anything special in the ring he's gonna love joe yeah but (laughs) I, I feel like I feel like there was one chance that he really had to come in to come back into the business in any capacity, and that was at the end of All In, this new indie show that's trying to shake up the wrestling world in his hometown. That's the time to do it, and I feel like him hemming and hawing. He's not getting any younger. He's not getting any more athletic. I don't think we're going to see him against the demon Finn Balor. I don't think that that would be a match that I would want to see. I don't think we're ever going to see the guy get into a ring again. I think it's just going to be a perpetual spiral. People are going to keep asking him that question. Maybe, like you said, he's, he's now talking about matches. Maybe he gets a little bit further. Maybe he actually fantasy books himself a match in a couple of years. But he's, he's not going to do it. Mark my words, never going to wrestle again. Sam, can you put some sunshine on those dark clouds? Uh, so I, I can shine them up a little. No, I, 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 let me say this. I hope he doesn't come back. Um, I like that he's retired. I think also I got a question in on that Q&A. I don't think that he will. Um, I don't think that he will come back. I think that he is more comfortable. Um, I think that I would like to see him wrestle Kenny Omega. Um, just because I think that would be a good match. Uh, I, I disagree as somebody who is a diehard punk fan and who like has watched him like, and I won't even go there, but like, I'm actually probably going to watch. He's going to talk about the ring of honor. If we, we let yeah. Him. So I was we'll gonna say, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually going to watch probably the Joe punk two tonight, but um, I'm that's fair. Big... I never saw that part of his body of work. So he very well could have been the greatest wrestler in the world. I have never seen it. And, no, that was Daniel. I'm, Bryan, I'm willing but... to admit the <laughs> ignorance there. Brian Danielson um, at that time. Yeah, Brian Danielson was like anyway. Uh, but I think that Punk. Uh, no, I think that he's just. I think he's more comfortable with it. I think that he is. Let go of a lot of the bitterness that he had. Um, I think that he's not. You know, and and I think answering those questions, I think people assign hope to it. Like I honestly don't see him choosing to come back. I feel like he comes back because he needs to make money or something. And like, there's something depressing that happens. Like I, he seemed, yeah. I mean, he just seems really happy. And I, he better be, I mean, he, you know, and, and the UFC thing, like I, I really respect like that he went out there and like, I know people love to rag on him for it, but like 
you did it. Like, how he many people were... Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, 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 like, I get why people, you know, I, I'm not giving you shit, Joe, but, like, I, I guess... I wouldn't step like, foot in that cage. Like, <laughs> big props to him. Yeah, I mean, so, like, but as somebody who's a fan of his and, like, has rooted for so many awful people in professional wrestling, like, it is very cool to have somebody who, like, I continue to be a fan of and who I'm proud to be a fan of. So... I don't think he comes back. I hope he doesn't come back. He seems happier not wrestling. I think I've said it on this podcast. You want to go ahead, go ahead Jeff? Well, I, I was going to, I was going to say, you know, to kind of make a pop culture reference, CM Punk's kind of like uh, breaking bad where they left on their terms. They didn't go too far. Whereas I would, I would hate it if CM Punk came back and turned into the walking dead, like literally <laughs> and figuratively. Uh, it, it's just, I'm glad that the last we saw of CM Punk was pretty much the top tier of what we saw of CM Punk rather than what we're seeing. Like if, if you're an Undertaker fan from you know middle to end middle of his career, then you're you're sad now. Like you watched the last ride and we're hoping that he's honest there. Whereas with CM Punk we can speculate, we want to speculate because people do think he could come back at that level almost. And I, I think to, sorry, to sort of also make a pop culture point, um, I, I've, and I'm with Joe on that. I'm always a believer in it's why I think part of why I think Shawn Michaels is better than Ric Flair is like if Ric Flair re- retired in like 97, like Rick, no one would question that Ric Flair is the greatest wrestler of all time. But you know, the, the you know, 10 or 12 years after that, uh, but the pop culture reference is it's the difference between the office and parks and recreation mm-hmm. is, you know, parks and rec went off at its high point. And I would always rather, you know, somebody, Oh man, like I wish they'd done more than being like, hey, did we really need uh, that season with Andy Bernard as the boss? Like, I still think though, if he gets a main event at mania, which I believe he will be offered it at some point, he's made it very clear before he retired, he, I think, even said it a couple of times in post-retirement interviews where what's the one thing he regrets or one thing he's bitter about, and it, he feels like he should have made an event at WrestleMania. He should have. Him and Cena should have made an event one year, or he should have just been added in the second Cena-Rock match. I do potentially see that bringing him back. Like, if, if they – you know, I don't know who it is. Seth Rollins. Roman, you I was about know, to say, who would the match be? I don't know. And I mean, it's, it, I think definitely with him, it would have to be Triple a situation. H. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it would have uh, to be a situation where both, you know, he would want to do it and it'd have to be the right opponent because he, you know, he would have already returned. I think AEW would have been a wonderful opportunity for him uh, because, I mean, look at what, like, guys like Jericho and Moxley have done for AEW and CM Punk, the buzz that that would have got, especially yeah, just imagine real the Moxley scene WWE. with CM Punk. Right. And, I mean, because it was real life. You know what I'm saying? There's real heat between him and WWE. So then with him coming to the competitor, it just, man, you want to talk about jump-starting a war between two companies – it, you know, it would do that, even if it's not real. It, it's just like with the WCW, WWF stuff that, you know, a lot of it was fans making it up, not actually the people performing in it. They were all getting paid. They were happy. But, uh, you know, at this point, I, I understand that he's probably not coming back. It just sucks because he was the reason I got back into wrestling. You know, I, I watched almost my entire life. And then around like 2004, 2005, I just, 
it's kind of the, I'm not blaming Cena, but it was kind of that rise and stuff. And I just got less and less interested. I was just, you know, becoming an adult and just got done with school, had to work. And then it was, I came back briefly for a couple of weeks when Shawn Michaels retired because I heard about that. And then when he did that, you know, that promo, the pipe bomb, and I saw it on ESPN and all these places. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And that was enough with the run after it to get me back into it. And I mean, I still love wrestling like when I was a child. And I just needed to be reminded of that. So he will always hold a special place to me because he's the one that, you know, got me back into it. So number five on the off the top, Karen Cross is going to have to relinquish his newly won NXT title due to his injury. Uh, we have, I haven't seen a timeline yet on how long he's going to be out. I'm assuming it's the severity of the separation of his shoulder, but we are going to get a fatal four-way Ironman match, which you two guys are probably good people to ask. I cannot ever remember a even triple threat Ironman match, much less a fatal four-way Ironman. And we have basically the NXT stalwarts at this point. You have Finn Balor, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Champa. Sam, let's start with you. Who do you think should win this match? Uh, it depends on how Karrion Cross is going to come back. I would say Finn Balor, just because Cole, Gargano, and Champa, I think, are ready for the main roster. Uh, I and but I think that I, I just can't see. Uh, and you know the the but and I think Finn is the only face in that match, uh, which makes me think that if you want to have Cross come back as a heel and win the title, have Cross come back and win the title, you know, win the title as a heel, um, then yeah, have Adam that Cole might be kind of halfway to babyface after they're that turning him for sure. It looks like right. I feel like that's the only reason why he hasn't gone somewhere else is because they're going to try to explore another side of his character. I don't think it'll work, but. What the fans have wanted, that's really been the interesting thing, is like they've wanted to cheer Undisputed Era for a while. Mm. Um, but definitely, I mean, and, and the question becomes, because if you watched the uh, Drake Maverick-Kyle O'Reilly match, like O'Reilly was, the, like, they were definitely heels there. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting. I think you're right. I think that they should turn him face. But I, just because that really is the last thing, is have them as a face stable. But I, I just don't. You know, it'd be cool to see them as retribution and just be like, actually, we're the Undisputed Era. Well, the big guy in the middle has got to be Adam Cole and Bobby Fish on each other. <laughs> I, know, I, I mean, hey, man, we're in the Thunderdome. We got to do Master Blaster. That's right. I'm actually really excited for this this match because, you know, like you said, I can't remember there being a multi-man Iron Man match of any kind. And for 60 minutes, this is going to be nuts. I'm act I was I was actually upset when I first saw the lineup because I'm like, oh, we're gonna get a multiple time champion. Here we go, create new and then I kind of you know took a step back and I'm glad that it's four people that have all held that belt. I'm glad that there's no clear person that I think should get the belt. So I feel like it'll keep me on my toes a little bit more while I'm watching. I I can't really see Champa or Gargano getting the belt, you know. As Sam said, you know, are they ready for the main roster? Yes. They've been ready for a decade. They were ready before they got to NXT. 
the problem is that NXT being a brand now, they need these stars. And that's a whole nother discussion of why I don't like NXT as much as I once did. I used to worship NXT. But now I, think- I, now I might catch most of it on the Thursday after most t- sometimes at this point. Um, but as far as this match goes, I, I do agree. I think Finn should be the guy that gets the belt. I feel like with, with him going back to NXT and kind of bouncing around, he's always been treated as though he's a threat and a top guy, but I don't think he's been given that position in any way, shape or form. I think it'd be very interesting if out of nowhere, he comes out all gussied up with the paint and uh, comes out as the demon that, that could add an interesting wrinkle to the match. The, I feel like the one person that has no business winning this match though is Adam Cole. And I, I would much rather have a reunited or a reunited uh, Goldie and Champa. I'd much rather have healed Johnny sitting at a dinner table with Candice, you know, eating off the NXT title for all I care. Or, uh, but you know, Adam Cole just had an excellent run with the belt. He, he needs to do something else. Isn't it, isn't it also kind of karmic that after losing, you know, the universal title, and that sort of really stunting Balor's run. And, you know, it seemed like when he was, when he beat Rollins at SummerSlam 2016, we were on the verge of something with him. Like they were going to be telling it would, it feels very sort of. We might poetic. get that. What if answered in NXT? Yeah. I mean, sort of the car, you know, poetic karmic of him getting a chance to restart by winning the title. The RC would hate that because he hates Finn Balor. Well, and I mean, is it a restart? It, you're pretty sure whoever wins this belt is probably going to get fed to Karrion Cross. you know, when he returns. Uh, it's just hard to believe if you had him go over Keith Lee, who is, you know, the most decorated person in NXT because he's the only person to hold both belts. It, it just, it would seem like that when Cross comes back, he's definitely going to go over whoever wins this match. I just want to ask you guys real quick, because I saw this a couple of different places. Is there any chance the Undisputed Era turns on Adam Cole, say helps Finn Balor or Gargano, and you have Cole then become the face, because, you know, he got turned on and screwed out of it, and then the Undisputed Era kind of shifts to, say, either a Balor and a Gargano group, and you still kind of have that, you know, protection of whoever the champion is by the, the Hill faction. It's got to be Finn if they do that, because WWE likes to take other people's stories and tell them slightly <laughs> less good through their own lens. Uh, I, I do think that that could work. I, I think that Finn Balor obviously makes a good leader. He's done it elsewhere. Um, yeah. I, this- Adam Cole needs to be a babyface. He needs to be a new character. And if that means the Undisputed Era unfortunately sheds him and they get a new leader, then I feel like that could also add a new dimension to the the three of them with whomever they're with. I I think that, yeah, I'm with Balor just because, I mean, if you're going to do, like they're calling him, and and I almost feel like they're telegraphing it by calling him the Prince, you know, and the it, it just it makes sense to have him do the you know the the king of, and especially the other thing that they love to do is take shots at competition and i think having him as the uh the rock and roller doing that gimmick to take a shot at jericho is something that they love so having him come out and doing the uh you know the, the, with the jacket and you doing his new Japan stuff for a bigger audience 
would be something that the WWE would love. Um, I also, I mean, I'm kind of talking myself into like, yeah, let him be, let Finn run retribution on the main roster and have them have Dijak of, you know, he can uh, be on uh, Dijak's shoulders that he can be the new, you know, the way he used to in new Japan. Um, Hey man, like, let's do it. We're in the Thunderdome. There's our master blaster. Yeah. I mean, I'd have fun with it. So Cody Rhodes report came out is going to take time off. Um, It is being reported. It's partly to put over, you know, Brody Lee's attack on him, both, during the match and post-match as well. So I guess, I don't know if I read that he's got like some backstage stuff that he has to do for AEW or if it's other business. But two questions here, and we'll start with Joe. Do you think this is the right decision to take Cody off the screen? And do you think that they seem to be moving him towards being a heel or turning heel at the end of this run? Do you think he still tries to – they try to go with that plan if that's the direction they're going when he comes back? Because typically guys, you know, obviously they're missed and they're really over when they get back. Or are we going to get a little bit longer of a face run and then they're going to, you know, push that heel turn down the road? So a lot of people think Cody Rhodes is a baby face. I think Cody Rhodes is a heel. I think there's been lots of subtle little winks and nods here and there. You know, it and for me it all started with, you know, Brandy and him are on the top of the entrance ramp. Cody's flexing. Brandy kisses his bicep. Brandy flexes. Cody just turns around and walks away. And it, there's just been little things like that. And then it's obviously built up, and now he's hitting four or five crossroads without going for a pin just to kind of get his, his, his stuff over. He declares himself the prince of pro wrestling, comes out with a, a 10-person entourage, has fireworks after a match where it was just a, a generic title defense. Granted, I'm kind of going out of order here. But those aren't things that a baby face does. Those are things that somebody who's power tripping, who's drunk with power, does. And I love the way that they're telling the story. I think it's, it's the, the hangman story has been a very slow burn. This has been such a slow burn that you might not even notice if you're not paying attention. Uh, however, with this whole story, Cody has been Superman. No one's been able to touch him. He made Lance Archer look like a punk. He, he's put, he, but then he went on to put over a lot of people with that title, but he's always come out on top. He didn't get in any, get in any offense against Brody Lee. Now, granted, Brody is significantly bigger than him, but it's not even like he had the numbers advantage during the match. Brody just beat the crap out of him. And it was, it was shocking. And that's the kind of match that leads to the reset button being hit because he now is going to notice that he doesn't have the numbers advantage. He's probably going to look in, from backstage and see QT and Dustin and, and his cronies get leveled by the, the Dark Order over the next couple of weeks. And I do think that it's a good idea that we don't have Cody on the TV because now we're, we, we're speculating. We're curious. We're asking these questions about what's happening. We're probably talking more about Cody with him not being on TV than we would be with him on TV. But I have a harebrained th- – well, I don't even know if it's really harebrained because a lot of people talk about this stuff. I think that at All Out, FTR is going to beat Hangman and Omega for the titles. I feel like FTR are going to act like they're still friends with Hangman, but they're ultimately going to portray that they have just used him. They've made him a friend of theirs just so he was an easy opponent. 
I feel like we're going to see Sean Spears starting to get a little bit more TV time along with FTR and Tully Blanchard. And I think the next time we see Cody, he's beating the ever-loving piss out of somebody with FTR and Sean Spears at his side. He looks up at the camera, throws up a four, and that's the end of Dynamite. I feel like we're going to get that, that modern four horsemen thing, except now it's got a Rhodes involved. And I do think that to make that work, Cody's got to come back as an energized evil heel willing to take that numbers advantage and do anything that he can with it. Um, just to piggyback off of that, I think that he can, I think that he comes back and uses the sympathy to make the heel turn more striking because I agree with you. You're not the first person that I've heard to set, talk about that uh, heel mannerisms. And I think that he's going to come back and I think there's going to be a lot of that. Um, I, but I think that he comes back. I think it's more turning on Arn because mm. I don't think that the, the, I've said this before, but I don't think it works if you have Arn and Tully. And I think at this point, Arn is such a person of goodwill and affection from the crowd yeah, you you aren't bumped. Well, you, <laughs> Dark I order mean, hit Arn Anderson. It, which I mean, he's a he's a guy who always like, and I appreciate this about him, but he always looked like as somebody who grew up in Virginia in the eighties. He perpetually looked like the hard ass dad down the street who was forty five, even when he was like twenty three. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you have him you know, turn on, you know, turn on Arn. And I see, can see that scenario. I can't see them doing the four horsemen and I hope that they don't because I know that you can do it without Ric Flair. And I, I don't even know if you can call it that, but it just feels like there's so much, the weight of expectations are such that calling them the four horsemen just does them a disservice. Oh, I don't think it's going to be called the four horsemen. I think they've done, they've done plenty of teasing with Tully. I've, I've seen plenty of fours thrown up on AEW. I, but I do think it'll be a four person faction. They'll be heels. I, I don't see them calling themselves horsemen though. So let's move on to the awards for the week. We're going to start with the wrestler on the rise. And remember for all of these awards, this is, uh, a wrestler or a match or a storyline from any of the shows this week that would have been because uh, it was a weird schedule again this week but the last Smackdown, the last Raw, the last NXT and the last Dynamite my wrestler on the rise is Keith Lee and I have been I don't want to say disappointed because I know how the internet can be uh, especially wrestling fans but so many people how are dare saying you. exactly but I mean it's fair some people, I mean, I've seen so many people saying that Keith Lee was either buried or they put him in a bad position. And I understand that people may not like his shorts. And I may not, I understand you may not like that they got him wearing a shirt. And I get that you're upset that they changed his music, which I found out that that's just a licensing deal where they don't want to pay somebody that no longer works for them. All big corporations would do that. But the people saying that he's getting buried or having a bad call up he debuted like getting in the face of randy orton who is not only one of the biggest names in wwe for the last 20 years he's arguably the hottest guy in the company right now who is randy orton in a feud with the wwe champion so he is already adjacent to the wwe championship immediately when he gets called up so it would not take too many chess pieces on the board a couple of moves 
and Keith Lee could be in a triple threat match for the world title, you know, within the first few months of being up on the roster. He could have a one-on-one match early for against McIntyre or Orton for the title. Now, don't get me wrong. If he ends up losing on Sunday, I will have to just take everything I just said and throw it out the window because I will not understand what the hell they're doing. But the fact that it was a no contest does not matter. He was going toe-to-toe with Randy Orton on Raw on his first episode. He was closing the show. And again, I love the interview afterwards where Keith Lee brought up he doesn't like Drew McIntyre, even though he's his buddy sticking his nose in his matches. He could have handled his own business. And it is rare to have a guy be that strong right off the bat when he's caught up with the main roster. So I just tell people, calm down. Things are good for Keith Lee. I mean, you would ask any guy in NXT or anybody who's just got caught up to WWE with maybe the exception of Finn Balor. And that didn't go too well for Finn. I don't know anybody who's been placed in a better position in recent memory immediately when being called up. Let's say the buried or, you know, not being pushed hard enough for the plenty of superstars who are out there who are legitimately not getting those pushes or are having bad debuts. Hello, Alistair Black, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. So it's a good thing. Everything's going to be okay, Keith Lee fans, I promise you. Uh, Joe, who was your wrestler on the rise? So I, I guess I kind of misread the question because I also considered, you know, just recent times when I made my pick of Anna Jay in AEW. I, I love the girl. I think she it will eventually become, as her initial gimmick was, the star of the show. The image of Brody Lee standing over Cody and Brandy like weeping at his at his lifeless body and then him just motioning to Anna J when she just chokes out Brandy looking like a total badass Great spot. an absolute total badass and then she come they, they come out to the ring and Brody officially recognizes her as a member of the dark order gives her the number 99 which is weird because there's like there's there's Evil Uno's one, Stu Grayson's two, then there's three Evil and four with Reynolds and Silver. Five is uh, Alan Al- Angels. Then there's 10, and, and now there's 99. Now, Anna Jay is a 99 out of 10, so that's a fitting number, in my opinion, for her. I think that AEW's been dealt kind of a, a raw deal by WWE scooping up a lot of the good, great, and even serviceable women talent in the world throughout, through the May Young Classics. Uh, the, the division in impact is solid, and that's a, dis, a, a destination that a lot of female independent wrestlers want to go to as well. So there really isn't a lot left out there that is seasoned, ready-to-go, fully-formed product out there for AEW to come in and take and use as their women's division. So I think what they've done, building up this character of Anna Jay, showing her being a badass in these small little roles, hopefully she gets a, a squash match or two coming up on Dark in the next few weeks, but I really can see her being built up as a next credible challenger to Hikaru Shida. Because we all know that you know Thunder Rosa is unfortunately going to to lose this match. That's going to be amazing. It's going to blow our minds. If you guys don't watch Thunder Rosa, then you need to find all of her things on YouTube. She's amazing, genuine badass. I I just think that you know the trajectory she's on, the way that they're portraying her, she's going to be awesome. She's going to be big soon. 
Sam, who's your wrestler on the roster? So I initially had Keith Lee, but as I thought about it, I'm going to change to Roman Reigns. I think that coming back like he did, I think that initially I was I was worried that he was going to come back and they were going to do the whole thing where he's they're, where they're trying to put a round hole in a square peg where he's this you know great good guy and what we've seen he, for the last five years <laughs> yeah and it actually looks like they've they've turned him heel because vincent man he did the one thing that is absolutely inexcusable to vincent man and appeared to care about something uh besides the wwe and but getting Paul Heyman as a mouthpiece when Roman's weakest point has always been talking. And yeah, I mean, I think that, and actually let me rephrase that because that's not fair. Roman's weakest point is giving the scripted promos. The WWE scripted baby face promo is not something that sits well with him. Right. It doesn't, and it never has felt believable coming out of his mouth. And the like, yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to believe that this like, this is the second or third generation guy who's really tall and good looking and had every chance. Like, like, Oh, I'm supposed to believe that he's humble. Really? And that he's the plucky underdog every single time. And, and that was when he got over was not when he was, he was the best when he was the exclamation point for the shield and letting him be that again with, uh, Heyman, I think, is like just makes me very excited for what they're going to do with him. And I, I have, I am, it's nice to be excited for Roman Reigns without an asterisk beside it. Let's go to wrestler on the slide. I hate saying this because the guy was just a champion, but it, it's Braun Strowman who, I mean, if you look six months ago, Strowman was without a WrestleMania match. He gets the call because of Roman Reigns and the pandemic. Hey, we got you in basically one of the co-main events against Bill Goldberg, who I'm sure is a guy that he idolized growing up. And, oh, by the way, we're going to put the belt on you. And you're the guy that, in my opinion, they blew several opportunities to put the belt on Strowman in the last few years when he was red hot and would have done so much to solidify him as a real like star in the WWE. And so you finally get that opportunity. You finally get the belt. You beat Bray Wyatt in the next pay-per-view. Like things are looking good. Then you had the cinematic match, which, I mean, it's a cinematic match. Cena technically lost one to him. That's not that big of a deal. The next pay-per-view on the lead up, you're dealing with Alexa Bliss these mind games, you turned heel. They didn't totally explain other than just the fact that I guess it's the fiend has this effect on people. You lose the title. And now just in the last week, you're fighting Drew Gulak on, you know, SmackDown, not really a matchup that I'm sure Braun Strowman saw two months ago when he was WWE champion, excuse me, universal champion. And then everybody, and I mean everybody who knows wrestling, knows the only reason he's in this match Sunday is so he can take that L to one of those two guys that are in the match. And just to think how, I mean, I just don't, I don't know if I remember a roller coaster ride for any performer with this kind of highs and then having it taken away so quickly this has all happened in six months. This was a guy that did not have a mania match in March. 
He was the champion by the first week of April. He had a three, four month run. And I do worry, you got Reigns coming back. You obviously got Bray, who it looks like is going to stay on SmackDown now. I think they're saying they want him to be the face there. <laughs> Where is he going to find his place unless they move him, you know, potentially to Raw? Because he's always going to be the third fiddle behind both Bray and Reigns. And I, I kind of feel sorry for him because I really do think Strowman is a, a really good performer. And sort of like what we're talking about with Reigns, WWE's kind of screwed him up. Like they, you know, kind of accidentally fell into him being this, like, I mean, he was really over a couple of years ago and they kind of Against squandered Roman. that. Yeah. Yeah, he was throwing like, that office chair at Roman Reigns, yes. I'm not finished with you. That got him so over, it wasn't even funny. It, it's just kind of sad, but he's my wrestler on the slide, unfortunately. Joe, who's yours? My wrestler on the slide is AJ Styles. Kind of for oh. similar reasons to your pick of Braun Strowman, but there's more political stuff, I guess, behind it as well, too. Um, you know, AJ just lost to Jeff Hardy, and so he's out on commentary, and I, I figured that they were going to announce on Sunday a rematch between AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy for the Intercontinental title. Heck, they still might. I don't know. There's, there's still time. It's not time for the pay-per-view yet. Uh, but after the match, you know, they're just, they're John back and forth. Jeff goes up the ramp, Sammy Zayn's music hits. So now AJ Styles gets bumped out. He's no longer interesting. It's who is the Intercontinental champion now. That's the story. That's, that's interesting. And then it turns into Paul Heyman is on SmackDown now as well. And there's some very well-documented tension between the two of them where AJ feels that he, Paul Heyman is the sole reason why his friends, the Good Brothers, are no longer with the company. And I think it's interesting that AJ, from what I read, politicked to get himself moved over to SmackDown to be away from Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman was, little did he know, not very long for the job that he had at that point. And now... Granted, this is a totally different capacity. Paul Heyman, from what I would assume, doesn't have any creative responsibilities. I feel like he's just there as a performer now. But just the fact that he even has to share the damn building with him at the same time probably doesn't sit very well with AJ. So I'm curious to see if there is a WWE draft coming up in the near future, which is something that also has been teased, if AJ stays on SmackDown. But for right now, I really don't see him having a place because he just fell out of the Intercontinental title picture the the undisputed not undisputed the universal championship is going to be a big uh kerfuffle as i'll explain later in my storyline to look for um but yeah i just feel like there's nowhere for aj styles to go right now um i think that it's kind of the story of aj's career is that he he's very he's never really gotten to be i always and uh, again, I feel kind of bad. Again, this guy's never taken a bump, but like he became the best wrestler in the world because Samoa Joe hurt his back against Sting in 08. Punk retired. Dana Bryan had to retire. Like those guys were just all, I mean, that was when, when he was, it, it, when those three guys were there, they were just always, in my opinion, better than him. Um, but he's, I think that he, he's a perfectly entertaining wrestler. Um, yeah, I just don't think that – I would rather see him on Raw personally uh, at this point. There's a lot more uh, room for him there anyways. Yeah. Um, mine for wrestler on the slide is Karrion Cross. 
Um, I thought that he had I, – I think that if he had just been hurt, like I think if he had had like a white-hot match with Keith Lee, it wouldn't have been so bad. But that – I mean, Joe, I, I know that Keith and I talked about this. What did you think of his match with Keith Lee at TakeOver? So I've been kind of lax on my following of NXT lately. Um, but I did make sure that I watched all of the pertinent stuff on all the big matches, especially his match with uh, Keith Lee. And I did watch TakeOver. I did enjoy TakeOver. Um, and, it, and it felt like, you know, here's the, the hot new thing. Got to put the belt on him because he's the hot new thing. I feel like they kind of painted themselves into a corner because of that, where he was so hot and Keith Lee was so new to the title. It's which trigger are we going to pull? What button are we going to press? And I, I think at the moment they made the right decision. Obviously if they could reverse that decision right now, they would do that 100 times out of 100 because now they don't have to have this Iron Man match. Keith Lee gets to keep reigning as champion. And that's a decent reason for Cross to lose the match. I mean, the guy is going to be out for six months with an injury or however long he ends up being out. But the, the match wasn't great. It wasn't an NXT TakeOver main event level of greatness in my mind. It was, it was a good match. I, I feel like if I was going to put on Meltzer's hat for a second, it would probably be a, a high three-star match for me. Oh, I, so you... I, oh, go ahead, uh, I was gonna say you're giving it more. I would have given it two and a quarter. I I was not. I I was pretty down on it. I've come up a little bit on it just because like the guy had a you know separated shoulder. Um, but I felt like that match was probably the worst takeover main event ever, possibly since the Bobby Roode and Nakamura match. But I really didn't like, and I I get crap for this. I really didn't like the second two out of three falls, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano match that ended with a cage. I really didn't care for that one. I thought that match just, that was 40 minutes too much match for me. The, it was just nonsense at the end. I, I, if I have a criticism of Gargano, he's heard this before, it's that his matches, those first matches that he does with somebody, is at a, at a 100. He's going 100 miles an hour. And, okay, you're going to do a rematch. How do you top that? Like, the joke I've made is, like, he's going to get shot in the head and he's going to reform T-1000 style and kick out at two point, you know, two and 99-100s. Like, that's – and, you know, it, but that has always been – you know, I think that the best match he had uh, since he's been sort of, like, the NXT guy who, like, was in the main event was the one with Almas that got five stars mm-hmm. because it was the only time they wrestled. And I, but I, I, I'm with you on that, but I think that the, I just thought the cross match never really got out of first year. And I thought that having that and then not having a chance to sort of redeem himself was really harmful. And that's sort of why I had him as my wrestler who was on the slide. Totally fair. Sam, let's stay with you. What is the storyline everyone should be paying attention to? Uh, I am going to go with the Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman. Um, Roman has not been a heel as a singles wrestler. I mean, you can argue that they teased it after the Undertaker match, but he has not been a consistent heel since the Shield were heels. And I'm I'm more interested in Roman at this moment than I have been since 2014. And that's just exciting because he is like a, a lot, like he's like Cena, one of those guys that you would think Vince would build in the lab to be his ultimate. Like he doesn't have a know. six pack though. Oh. <laughs> Touche. Did Hogan have a six pack? 
I'm I'm six three two seventy five. I don't. I had a six pack with my lunch. I can't comment on the guy's physique. The uh, no, I mean that's fair, but I think that like just everything that Vince loves is Roman Reigns, and it, it's just interesting to see him as a heel. Like I'm excited for it. Yeah. So, kind of along those lines, and and this is my my harebrained thing. And I, I use this as my bold prediction on my, uh, my first episode of my podcast that I made today. I don't think Roman Reigns is heel. I think right now, today, and tomorrow, Roman Reigns is still going to be portrayed as a babyface. And my storyline to watch is Wyatt Family 2.0. Because I really do think that this triple threat match is going to turn into a handicap match halfway through. I honestly think that I, I give WWE shit for I don't know if I can say that. Oh, I, no, I give fine. WWE no, okay. I give WWE shit, 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 shit. I give <laughs> WWE shit for dropping things that are cool or not paying attention to the little things that accidentally happen and mm. putting them over, making them bigger. I think we saw WWE realize that and put pieces back together to lead into the main event tomorrow night. Or sorry, at payback. I don't know when this is going to get posted. Uh, I honestly think it's going to be a triple threat match for about 10, 15 minutes. And then there's going to be a retribution style power flickering lights, flickering power is going to cut out. And then there's going to be that screechy eerie violin music that used to come on when the fiend would come out and a hooded figure is going to walk onto the stage that there's going to be a spotlight. The hood comes off. It's Alexa bliss. And I feel like in that moment, Alexa Bliss is going to become this Sister Abigail character that we've been hearing about for so long that Bray Wyatt almost was that one time against Pumpkin Finn Balor. And in that moment, in that moment, Braun and Bray are going to reunite and they're going to work together. And I know how you said that Braun's only in the match to take the fall. I think Braun's going to power slam Roman a dozen times. And then Bray's going to put him in the mandible claw. Roman's not going to have anything left to tap out. He's just going to pass out. Ref's going to call off the match. Fiend walks out holding that title still. So I think that, I think the most interesting thing that they can do is portray this new dynamic. Because if Roman gets the belt tomorrow, where do they go from there? There's nothing. I feel like Roman coming back and beating either of them in that match I'm not going to throw away, throw around the buried word because the internet has ruined that word, but he, he puts himself in a place where nobody can touch him right now. SmackDown right now is the, the land of everybody is in the IC title picture. And I really can't see anybody but Bray and Braun being in that universal title picture at the moment. So I feel like they need for this chase story with this new badass wreck everything and leave persona that Roman's going to portray with Paul Heyman on his side to tell a story between now and Hell in a Cell where we finally get a good Hell in a Cell match after two horrific years of booking to the end of that pay-per-view. And maybe at that point, Roman absolutely ends, unmasks the fiend takes the title and from there becomes that heel character that we've been wanting for so long. I would, I no, I think that that's actually the, the Bray, uh, the Wyatt family is one of the things that they can do to protect uh, 
that they can do to protect come on sam you can do this um that they can do to protect uh braun hmm. is that if he's the heater for bray that you could do that i just think that i would hope it's just so doing i, I mean i know that the, there's the excitement about the wreck everything and leave but if, if you watched uh SummerSlam, the fans it was interesting to me that the wwe had the fans giving the thumbs down um i i think that I, I would, and, and I think that you're right. I think that that's the most obvious story, but I think that, and, and maybe we're all wrong. I mean, these, the, the dirt sheet stories, it would make a lot of sense to swerve because I know that what we heard before SummerSlam was Roman's not coming back. You know, that, mm. that's not happening. And sure enough, that's what happened. So I, and I think now it's easier than ever to, to plant fake stories like that. So you could very well be right. Uh, and I would be fine with that. I also would be fine you know, I think there is a tailor-made Brock Lesnar storyline between Roman and Brock where, you know, the the next big thing was what uh, was what Brock was called, you know, obviously. And you have uh, Heyman saying, you know, well, Roman's the next big thing now. Uh, I'm, I'm with him. And that's, you know, look, Brock, you've lost these last few years. Roman is the guy. As long as it doesn't lead to another Mania match between the two of them, I'm fine. The like only that, way that I feel like that's the only way that that I could be happy with Roman winning the title is if they also bring uh, Brock Lesnar back in this, or if for some reason somehow Goldberg turns back up. I'm not even going to touch that one with fantasy booking. I don't want to see it. If you can, if you could see me, I'm grimacing. But there, yeah, I think that I, they can tell a good story that they haven't told before with Reigns winning the mm-hmm. title being the heel because you have Heyman basically as his mouthpiece. He's changing a direction in his character. Now, I don't want him to make him like the sniveling traditional heel that they do in most of WWE. If he turns into the Miz. Exactly. Oh. I mean, do do if they made him basically Brock Lesnar, you know, the new Brock Lesnar, where you treat him and book him almost the exact same way, where Heyman does the talking, Reigns comes out there and just kicks ass. It needs to be reminded that Reigns has never had a title reign of more than 80 days. So it is not like we've ever got this long Roman Reigns run as champion. To me, it would be more interesting for him to have a long reign as champion as a heel than a face, because we know how people are going to react if they make him a face and then put the belt on him for six to eight months Fans are going to go crazy if we get back to audiences. You know, you have the Roman Winsby riot signs up and stuff like that. I, I think this is really interesting. Heyman is the perfect person for Reigns. And I told Sam, my only fear is they're doing this to just set Reigns up to where he wins the title as a heel. And then in three months, Lesnar comes back and Heyman turns his back, you know, on Reigns and sides with Lesnar, and then he's the face all over again, and we're back to square none. It's just they have proven they have not gotten Reigns' character right as the face. The Rock kind of saw this when he first came up to where he was a face that everybody hated, okay? And he had all this talent. Everybody thought he was great. It wasn't until they turned him heel, he kind of got some swagger. He started getting more comfortable on the microphone. And then he became a much better face the second time. Not as good as he was the heel, but he was a lot better. And I think this may be the opportunity for Reigns. And it's just honestly doing the Cena storyline that they never had the balls to do. 
And it's really a shame because I, I don't want to, you know, use like hyperbole or anything like that, but I really think Cena could have been like, if anybody could do a reboot of the NWO, you could have Hollywood done it with Cena. John freaking Cena and people would have lost their minds. It would have been wonderful. Oh, that's How, still totally on the table. I honestly thought they were going to really? do that with, well, two manias ago, he came out as Dr. Thugonomics. Right. He came out literally wearing Yankees gear. Like that's the yeah. most anti John Cena thing he could ever do other than punch a make a wish kid in the face. I, 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 I would love to see it. I still think he's got it in him. And I think that that could be a great way for him to ultimately take uh, Ric Flair's record. So I, I, I think Hollywood scene is totally on the table. So I, did, did you have a different Joe storyline? No, I, I, no, I that, was doing was the wife. wife oh, okay. I'm sorry. So, Real quick, because I want to keep the same move. We've got a few more topics. The FTR, Omega, Hangman, Young Buck storyline. This was actually my decision or, or my pick this week for a storyline you need to watch. Despite, you know, how big this range storyline obviously is, the attention it got. I love the way this was played on Dynamite. Like, I absolutely loved it. I love the fact that Hangman calls the Young Bucks you know, their, their chance at the tag team title match at the pay-per-view. I love how slow this build has been. And I really do think, like, I will admit that Joe kind of changed my mind on some of this stuff because I had not a thought about, you know, FTR teaming with, you know, I guess you were saying with Cody, but I actually thought we were leading to an FTR hangman versus Young Bucks, Kenny Omega type feud or Elite versus FTR and, you know, hangman. But you're kind of the AEW expert, Joe. Where do you kind of see this going? I, like like I said earlier, I think it's going to end up being that, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting a lot of interference right now, I guess. I'm getting a lot of gargling noises coming back at me. Maybe it's just my stuff. Um, I do definitely think that FTR is using Hangman. I think they know what they're doing. I think they're trying to befriend him because I've been trying to shoehorn Hangman into a, like a five-man, five-horseman faction in my brain. <laughs> but I really do think he's going to be best as a drifter, as a, as a you know, single character kind of not being able to find a group of friends, not needing a group of friends and getting over because he is who he is. I think when we start getting more than 10% of fans in that arena, there's going to be cowboy shit chance that you can hear from, you know, from Jacksonville all the way to where I am in Connecticut. And I think he's going to become AEW's people's champion because of it. I definitely can see Wednesday after all out. Kenny Omega breaking up with the Young Bucks. Does he have to because turn heel Omega for him and Hangman to split? I don't. I don't even see him and Hangman splitting. I don't. I don't even necessarily see friction. I can just see Hangman walking off into the sunset. I I can see him not wanting. I can see him sitting there and taking a beating from frustrated Omega, purely because he doesn't want to fight. He's actually his character is so deep that like a couple weeks ago they had the tag team appreciation night and there was this little video package where they asked hangman and omega who their favorite tag team was and hangman was trying to be kenny's friend he said i would have picked us you know i i i, I love us and kenny's like yeah we're just a couple of singles guys and it like i felt for the guy in that moment 
like every step of the way, every time the elite have a match, it's the Bucks and Omega. They always leave him out. And after this most recent elite match, Kenny Omega lost his shit and beat up Alan Angels for for, for what? Right. He was mad and he's he's starting to break a little bit. And I really like that. I feel like because of what's going on, I feel like we're going to see the Bucks break up with him too. And we're going to see them all go off on their own thing, tell their own story. Because I feel like if, if AEW existed and the elite came in and were giving themselves all of these uh, opportunities off the bat, people would have turned on all of them. But now breaking up, splitting, telling individual different stories they can all get over. Now, I think heel Kenny Omega can break up with, can move on. And as long as he's not the cleaner, as long as it's not NJPW told in AEW, uh, I think whatever heel character he has can easily take that belt from Moxley. And he can run and he can have that title until the chance of cowboy shit have brought him all the way to the main event of whatever pay-per-view it's going to be where Hangman and Omega finally meet and Hangman takes the title. I was just going to ask, who, who does Hangman, because I, I think very highly of him. Like, he's been one of the guys that has impressed me the most in AEW. I, I kind of got roasted for this in one of the earlier podcasts that he sort of reminds me a little bit of a modern day, like Stone Cold in some ways, that he's sort of this, you know, loner that, you know, he's an everyday man. He likes to drink beer, you know, just have a good time. And, and it just happens to be a wrestler. And I just, I do wonder though that because they've waited so long and, you know, they've made him a tag team partner for so long that I'm almost worried they've lost a little bit of the momentum he has. And I do question if he needs like a feud with one of these big names almost immediately when he loses the titles to kind of remind everybody that this guy was really on the rise before they just happened to get paired together and were tag team champions. Do you think that's fair or is there a person that you think that that needs to be? No, I think that's a totally fair point because a lot of people will have seen that he's spent a very long time as a, as a tag partner, but you got to remember during this tag run is when he started chugging beers in the stands and he started crowd surfing on a cruise ship. Like this guy is so over and the fans, when they get to come back in are going to be so rabid for him that part of, you know, without him turning heel and, hurting everybody else on the roster and literally telling the fans that he's quitting wrestling, they will cheer for him no matter what. So I, 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 yeah, like he, I, he could definitely use a big feud against Omega right after they break up. But I feel like that also could cheapen the eventual big clash of having it over a belt because neither of them have the AEW title to fight over right now. And I'm, I'm not of the thought that, they should put the belt on Omega and then redo the feud again with Hangman. I want that to happen once, be hot, and then they both move on. Because I feel like AEW's done a good job of not 50-50 booking everything to the point where we have now the seventh meet of them at the pay-per-view. And it's, oh, how are we going to do this now? I think, and just to agree with you, I think that one of the most frustrating things about the WWE is where they have like these really like great feuds and then they sort of redo them you know it, it, it's uh you know daniel bryan punk was one of those where like it would have been great if they kept them apart 
um, or, you know, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles would have been a great title feud. Um, I think that one thing I do disagree with you with is I'm fine with him, with Omega calling himself the cleaner because, and doing a, cause he never, I mean, the, the, again, as, as a new Japan fan, he didn't really like they, they can elaborate. Cause like the character was not like, it's, it's new Japan. They're not huge characters. Um, so it, I would rather like, I would be cool with that. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really good point about the, uh, about, you know, page and Omega. I think one thing though, is you could have, if you're going to build up Brody Lee as a world beater and then have cowboy be the one who beats him or hangman be the one to beat him. So Sam, would do you be... have a, uh, another storyline you want to talk about or uh, kind of discuss both? Yeah, mine was uh, Reigns with Heyman. Is there anything else you want to say on that? No. Okay. Uh, we're going to skip the match of the week and just do the face in the hill because I know this is going to surprise the people that listen to us weekly, but we've already gone long. Um, let's start uh, with oh, Sam. Jesus, that's my fault. No, it's trust me. We no, do it's, it every, it's just we how do we go. Every week. Uh, let's start with Sam. Who is your face? Uh, we'll just do face of the uh, week first, and we'll do heel. Uh, I'm gonna go with Drew McIntyre. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with because uh, I thought that his his winning with a backslide and then him getting his ass kicked on Monday, you know, is very much white meat baby face used to get over a heel. Uh, so I'm gonna give some credit there. You know, I I I I. I I was thinking about it actually, Joe, as you were talking about AEW, that there's been a lot of, you know, the real hope was, was that AEW would not just be great, but also make the WWE be great. And I wouldn't call the WWE great right now, but I would say that the main roster is as intriguing and entertaining as it has been in years. Um, I would in a agree. long time. The roster is so deep right now. Yeah. I mean, that's that's never been their problem. That's right. fair. That's fair. You're right. And so, I'm, you know, like getting me interested in Roman Reigns, getting me interested in Bray Wyatt. You know, I was thinking about the Sister Abigail match and like how Daniel Bryan had that amazing match with Finn Balor instead, which I was super excited about. Um, and I, but I think that, you know, one of the, the great things about is that the WWE's done, and the great things overrating it, but is that they've gotten Drew, like Drew McIntyre is a guy who they have done the work and showed that he is a big effing deal. And I think that you people care about them, care about him. And so him getting beaten down by Randy, getting punted twice was a great, I thought it was just a great white meat baby face moment. Go ahead, Jeff. Who's your face of the week? Uh, mine's going to be Keith Lee. Uh, I, I'm very much against anybody that has used the word buried to describe him. He has always felt like he's belonged at the top echelon of the WWE main roster survivor series last year. He was, he pinned Seth Rollins clean and he was in there the final two against Roman Reigns and had a very convincing near fall at the end of the match. Uh, Royal Rumble comes around Brock Lesnar sells for the guy that doesn't happen. He comes in, he's instantly put in the top end feud on Raw. He's put up against Randy Orton. That was never supposed to be a match. Keith Lee's debut is Sunday at Payback. That was an excellent moment to show that Keith Lee, while he is a face, he is not there to, you know, he doesn't need your help. 
He even literally says that about Drew McIntyre. I loved that scene. I just wish he was wearing a different shirt. Oh, well, you know, but I'm not going to, not going to complain about his debut based off of his attire and the, the somewhat lackluster song that they had for him. But yeah, Keith Lee, he's easily my face of the week. See, this is something that I said to Keith about this um, as a former, well, now once again, fat guy who has gone to the pool with a shirt on. Um, I am appreciated that they had him. I, when I, cause I, I'm on the West coast. So when I first heard about it, like I saw the Twitter reaction and I actually was much more bothered by his kilt ultimately than I was by the uh, shirt, which I was not a Kevin Owens shirt, which I feel like is a bit of a, you know, they're playing off of his uh, ring of honor thing where he would come down in basketball shorts and a t-shirt but like that's a form-fitting shirt for him. I'm fine with it. Um, if they had him out there in sort of, you know, because basically what it looks if they had him back in his old ring ring tights, it would look like what he comes down to the ring in, hmm. you know, with that the sort of the vest and the and the tights. I would be fine with that. But I I agree about the music. But the idea that he's being buried when they're having him, and again, I reserve the right to change my mind based on the outcome of the match. You know, um, I'm, I'm not even going to be that reactionary. It's Randy Orton. He is the top heel on Raw. If there ends up being some sort of interference somehow, if Ric Flair turns in and it turns out that it was just a joke that that and the punt never happened, that was a setup. You know, anything like that. I feel like they would have done that with again. they would have done that with McIntyre at SummerSlam if they were going to do that. But they still might. The card's still in the back pocket. I, I losing to Randy Orton is not a burial. If he loses, I mean, if they do a screwy finish, you know, if he hits the Big Bang catastrophe and, uh, you know, Orton then RKO's him, I'm fine with that. Uh, I just don't want, I want, having Keith Lee lose cleanly in his opening match is a big honking message to me. And I, I go over, this is like sort of one of my things that I really hammer on is like show don't tell. And if they do that where Keith Lee loses cleanly, what it says to me is that he is not on the level of Randy Orton or Drew McIntyre. Whereas if he were to, you know, if there was something where there's some sort of screwy finish that involves him hitting his finisher and then getting screwed, I'm more okay with that. Cause I think that it says, Hey, he had a visual pin and he got screwed out of it. Yeah, I'm into that. All right, so my uh, face of the week was Big E, which I know that's a little bit of a, you know, maybe surprising pick, but I give WWE crap, as all wrestling fans do, for their storylines and inconsistencies. And I was very nervous when they first had the moment, and it was a very good short promo where Kofi Kingston basically came up to Big E backstage and said, it's your time. You know what I mean? You, you've been selfless for all this time with the new day but it's your time to go out and be a single star and i just you know was worried well they're going to forget about this in a few weeks if you look about it like since then the announcers have consistently brought this up on television during his matches he has been given significant time on the microphone which is something that has not happened especially from a singles position since he's been called up to wwe he's been his very charming self uh and he's been winning a lot, which is also very important. He picked up a win this week, beating The Miz in a six-man tag match. Um, and I'll be the first to admit I've probably been higher on Big E than most people are. 
but I just think he's a very special talent. He's, you know, he's funny, he's charming, he knows how to use social media. He, he looks like the avatar that Vince would choose in like, you know, WWE 2K. I mean, he's got that kind of body. And I just think that he's a potential money, particularly if you build him up, give him a championship run in the next, you know, I would rush it and try to do it in the next four or five months. And then you have him turn heel on basically Kofi and Xavier. And I think him and Kofi for the title, whether it be Mania next year, SummerSlam with a heel Big E versus a face Kofi, when Kofi never got his return match after just getting absolutely squashed after his, you know, fantastic title run. I just think it's a great story and it's a money story. Now, will they do it? I have no idea, but Big E is got to be giving them confidence in him as a performer with what he's done since they decided, okay, we're going to let you finally go for this singles push and not just be a part of the bigger New Day trio. There's a lot of people on Twitter that are totally on your side. I've seen a lot of very popular posts today that have even forecasted Roman Reigns as the heel, Big E as the face, so main eventing WrestleMania Hollywood 37. That could be it could work. Too. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Sam, who's your heel of the week? Uh, my heel of the week. By the way, I just want to throw in one thing as somebody who lives in L.A. WrestleMania 37 will not be in Hollywood. Oh, no. I would be – I'm, I'm just – no, 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 no. Like, I, the, I would be shocked if it is um, – if it was here just because – It's probably in Florida. Yeah, I think they're going to do it. I think Tampa gets a give back. Um, but no, I, I would be fine with Roman. I think that there are a lot of like, anyway, I'm a big, big E fan as well. Um, my heel of the week is Randy Orton. I think that he, and, and Joe, you, you probably, you know, I, I doubt that you know this. I with Randy Orton, like he's like a legit heel. Like I just never been a Randy Orton fan. Um, all the way back to when he beat Benoit in 04. I was a huge Shocking is an internet fan who also loves Ring of Honor. I was a big Benoit fan. Like, I'm glad you're sitting down for that. Um, but I've always, I've never enjoyed, after Rated RKO, I've not enjoyed Randy Orton's matches. Um, I didn't love his match with uh, McIntyre, but I love the ending. Um, I think that he's just done a great job of being a heel. I think he's a natural heel. I think that he's, I, I, I didn't, again, didn't love his match, but you know, I, I'm excited for him as a heel. I think that he's good at that kind of stuff. And I think he's good at getting over as a heel. Speaking of natural heels, that's why I picked MJF as mine. I think he, he, he made a comment a couple of weeks ago about how he's the guy that's going to be the face of AEW for the next 25 years. I'm into it. I'll, I'll buy it right now. Um, the reason why I'm picking him is because up until Dynamite this week, I actually really didn't care for the the way the promos were structured against John Moxley. You know, I could be drowning and MJF could sell me water. Like I I will listen to anything that comes out of that kid's mouth. But to call John a dictator, to really make it like needlessly political, it felt like a, a feud that was built for Cody Rhodes as being champion at that time. It really did because you could you could call Cody Rhodes a dictator if he's holding the AEW title right now all day. I would be calling him a dictator. I would be, you know, saying not my champion. I would be doing all of that. But I didn't get it with Moxley. And then they sat down for this contract signing, which was to this point my favorite contract signing ever because it didn't turn into some mindless brawl. And 
the, the words that MJF is saying, it, he brings it into it being about the match. He brings it in about how he's going, how I, I don't want to, you know, I could talk about this for an hour and I, I want to, but I'm not going to. I him you come taking, back on talk about MJF anytime <laughs> you want to. We're big fans. He he took this feud that was I'm excited to see it because I'm just excited to see whatever the two of them can pull off. And he took it from this doesn't make much sense, but I'm excited anyways. To all right, let's do this. Let's let's go. Why isn't it the fifth yet? So my heel of the week, I do want to mention Alistair Black uh, briefly, which I. I <laughs> Briefly is about the only consideration he gets from the booking committee, but go on. I, you should I knock agree. on his door so, before you reference him. <laughs> the, <laughs> the execution was not perfect of his heel turn with KO. There was some stuff that was, um, I guess lame is the, the word I would use with some of the voodoo-ish, I guess. I, I don't really know what they were doing there, but I'm a big fan of Alistair Black. I think he has a great look. I think that he obviously is not being used, which is kind of, you know, mind boggling to me. And if you are an Alistair Black fan, we saw how the face push was going. That's not been working. So it's just a good thing that they're turning him heel because I don't think the booking could get any worse. I really don't. So I do want to mention him, but you talked about Brody Lee, Joe, Hmm. like such an impressive last week. I was one of those guys that, was so upset when Brody Lee got beat by Moxley because I had just seen the Archer, uh, you know, deal with Cody a few weeks earlier. And like what you were saying, it's been one of our soapboxes. Like, why put these guys in this position? You bring these big monsters in and you build them up and you get us all excited and then they get beat, especially by guys that have been from WWE. It starts to give off the impression that this is the same old, same old business when you're supposed to be in this whole new, you know, land of opportunities. But anyway, Brody Lee has been fantastic. And I thought after his title loss that they kind of, you know, he lost his steam. He really did for a couple of weeks there. And they built it right back up. It started with the Colt Cabana, uh, you know, sort of turn storyline, which our partner Ron L, who's not with us, called it. He said, hopefully this gets him back going. It did. His performance against Cody Rhodes, it was shocking. You made that comment. I was more shocked, you know, by that than, like, Lesnar just destroying Cena at SummerSlam. Like, that's how, like, just, I could not believe they were letting Cody Rhodes just get absolutely manhandled after the run he's had by Brody Lee. And then the fact that the Dark Order is starting to get purpose again is great. So Brody Lee is doing just fantastic work right now. Yeah, that should have been the angle that closed out that show at the end of last year that ended up with the infamous punches that missed and, and all of that. If that Dark Order segment ended that show, then the world is all joining the Dark Order. So we got through everything you know, I don't want to say quickly, but we got through everything. <laughs> Joe, I really appreciate you coming on. Is there? Oh, I really appreciate you guys having me. Uh, plug before you get out of here, or just want to give your Twitter handle and stuff again? Or well, I I, I would like to plug the uh, the show that a, a friend of mine from Twitter and I just started today. It's called Marks Named Joe, and we just uploaded. Yeah, I'm writing that down know. right now, man. Marks Named Joe. Right it, just words, no underscores, no X's, no O's, no blah 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 blah. Marks Named Joe. Uh, we uploaded our first episode, which is our predictions for payback. And we're going to make a few more episodes throughout the course of this week, uh, like our, just introducing ourselves, 
and to, you know, we'll make our reactions to, to payback and, and so on and so forth. And yeah, I, I hope to have some pretty good content coming with that late, uh, in the future. It's going to be very rough for a little while because we're learning how to do this on the job and a little bit of support goes a long way. If you have any questions, you know, let us know. And we'd love to, if you ever need people to come on and help you out, we're here for we'll you. Do. We really do appreciate you coming on. Oh, Sam, what again, do you want to plug, buddy? It. Oh man, it's our pleasure. I'm going to plug uh, myself. Uh, my, my Twitter <laughs> handle is uh, shouse610. That's S-H-O-U-G-H 610. Um, I am also would, uh, going to plug some friends of mine. The, the, I think of us as the With Spandex Orphans. Um, there's a website called Steel Ring Post where they some of the funnier commenters do a, uh, do a pops and botches. Um, and uh, – unrelated to promoting but i would like to say as a, a philadelphia sports fan that the new york islanders and their fans can kiss my ass uh let's go flyers <laughs> so i guess that means y'all won tonight uh no they lost tonight that, oh, that is, I, well, I, that's a real man when you can talk shit when you lose that's when you know a real man. everybody can talk crap when you're you're winning yeah they lost 3-1 they can kiss my ass um <laughs> i hate the islanders and i uh am not a fan of their fans so Hopefully, uh, Joe, you are as a guy in Connecticut. Hopefully, you are not. If you are a New York fan, you're not a. Uh, I am not Iowa. a New York fan. I detest New York. I detest Philadelphia. I can pretty much get away with almost anybody else. Uh, I I'm a born and bred Red Sox fan. I never really got into football. Um, I've, I have recently, and I've kind of been against the New England Patriots because they're kind of like the Yankees of football, I guess. If there's any way to make that comparison. I'm a Falcons fan, Joe. Being against the Patriots is an understatement. They they, they, (laughs) they broke my soul. Uh, I'm an Eagles fan. I really have no beef with the – Sure you, Sam. (laughs) You all win titles too. I hate everybody. Uh, I do want to plug both my Twitter, which is Keith Fleming, just all spelled out. That's K-E-I-T-H-F-L-E-M-M-I-N-G. And also the Team Turnbuckle – Twitter page. We finally got one. We've had the Facebook group for a while, but we did finally start. It's just at Team Turnbuckle. We would appreciate if you guys would follow. Obviously, it's going to be a lot of stuff about the podcast, but we also show wrestling stories, opinions, etc. So we're excited to get that going. And uh, again, Joe, this has been a lot of fun. We are going to be Likewise. doing, I think, a series. I think I told you uh, we're hopefully going to start next month. We're going to go back and revisit uh, storylines. If there's any wrestler or period that you really, you know, want to do or discuss with us, let us know. We've only picked out the first four. We'd love to have you on and basically nerd out and reminisce about some of the, you know, greatest wrestling runs or stories in the history of wrestling. All right. I'll definitely keep that in mind. Sam, you be go. One other thing I need to definitely plug my other podcast on the Ivy Sports Network, the Backdoor Cover Ivy Sports Gambling Podcast. We did not have an episode this week, obviously, with everything going on. Uh, not only just in the world, but, you know, with the sports world being paused, uh, we felt that also, you know, we should, uh, you know, take this week off. Not that we have that many listeners and it's really making a big difference, but we do absolutely support uh, what the players and athletes are doing and, and just the struggle that is going on in this world. So we do feel for you and we're uh, here for you, uh, which I know is funny as three white people, but that that is, you know, yeah. what it's going to take to make change. So I really hope that, you know, my uh, – people that look and sound like us take that to heart and really listen to what's going on. So 
But this has been another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast. Rono, we missed you tonight, but for Keith and Sam, and really want to thank Johan for coming on. Don't forget, uh, keep up with uh, k We will uh, talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much.